1: Welcome, you're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Mark Honf of Pacific Private Money. Our phone number is 888- 912-1190. Use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack tanning certificate given away during this show. That certificate's not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. Today's trivia theme is entertainment. We do have a special guest. Um, Before we introduce him, though, Mark, you want to uh, tease us with an article coming up? Well, we We've got a few things we're going to talk about today on The Best of
2: Investing. We're going to talk about the economic outlook, according to one of my favorite California-based economic advisors. Also, how is the government shutdown impacting real estate, according to real estate agents? Also, what Americans think about whether it's time to buy a home today or not and last but not least the best markets for real estate investments in 2019 according to
1: Forbes but before we get to that we're Edwards going to introduce our special guest for our today. special guest today is real estate developer John protopapas uh, who owns uh, a lot in Oakland specifically and uh, his specialty is live work units now John you and I have known each other for a number of years uh, how did you get involved in the live work units and and what makes them different than apartments.
3: Well, great to be with with both of you here today. Thank, yeah, welcome. thank you for inviting me. Um, the, the difference really, you know, when I started the company in 1983, uh, there were a lot of old warehouses in Oakland yep. that uh, were in need of investment and development.
1: And were they abandoned or?
3: Well, let's say they were underutilized. Underutilized, okay. Okay, many of those those old warehouses, distribution spaces, you know, were underutilized, and... Uh, this was before Amazon. This was before, <laughs> yes, definitely before Amazon. So, you know, a lot of these old spaces, uh, you know, you can convert those old spaces into loft-style live-work units, uh, and you can... Afford you can be, you can give folks a lot of square footage, yeah, for a very low price. In fact, for the same amount of money that you're renting an apartment near Lake Merritt, you could rent, you know, a fifteen hundred, two thousand square foot loft in an old warehouse space. So that's kind of how. I started,
1: and some of those lofts. I mean, you see them advertised. I mean, some of them look really nice. It's not like you the know, newer bo- ones. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not, not this bohemian uh, lifestyle. You know, everybody wearing Birkenstocks and you know holes through the roof. And well, sort sometimes you see on TV, like if
2: the if the show is being filmed in New York, for example, you see yeah. a lot of those tall ceilings, and it looks really rustic and bricky and pipes and stuff. But it's you know it's it's open. But yeah. open and airy,
1: is that what you're talking about for that's Oakland right. or is something? Yeah, even the movie. In fact, the, the movie Ghost, I think, was like that.
3: Yes, yeah, no I, re- I
1: remember about that where they they move into basically this loft yeah.
3: and the huge huge windows and all that. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what attracts a lot of individuals to those types of spaces is the creativity. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, apartments are great, but if you can have 14, 16, 18-foot high ceilings, if you can have a loft, if you can have brick and timber, uh, some great old features and characteristics of old factories and warehouses, yeah, it's a, a lot of fun. And being able to see the ducting. You know, like some of the restu- some
1: restaurants do that. They, they purposely sure. open up the ceilings so you can see the duct work.
3: And the other thing with those old buildings is you've got huge windows, great light, uh, very airy, open. So uh, a lot of folks are attracted. Is the insulation though a problem? Well, you, when you're renovating, you have to bring everything up to code, so okay. you have to install, you know, current insulation. Gotcha. Uh, insulation, bring it up to code. So sprinklers, uh, and all that. Yeah. Fire sprinklers, alarms. I mean, you know, every, uh, new electrical, new plumbing. So is this a is this the growth market as you see it uh, for Alameda County? Well, I. I'm happy to say that a city like Oakland, you know, Oakland started, uh, they approved a live-work ordinance uh, in 1983. That was the first one, and then subsequent ones many years since then. So uh, in a city like Oakland, many of these old warehouses have already been renovated. I think it's a growth industry for many other cities all across the United States. Sure,
1: I mean, again, where can you get that much space? And if you can make it look, you know, almost apartment-like, um, and then where does rent control come in with live work units?
3: Well, in in cities like Oakland or San Francisco, you know, if you renovate a building in Oakland, if it's post nineteen eighty three, it's not subject to rent control because okay. of Costa Hawkins, the state uh, act that was passed, uh, which does not allow rent control on brand new apartments. So, in our situation, uh, you know, all the buildings we've renovated since, since I started the company are not subject to rent control. Yeah.
2: So, is it that you renovate a certain percentage above X and it becomes classified as a new rental property versus an existing rental?
3: Yes. It's basically when you place the building into service. So, if, if you place the new units into service... Uh, and you renovate an, uh, a warehouse today and you bring it and place it into service, it's brand new. It's just as if it's a brand new apartment. Built.
1: You know, it's interesting because a lot of people don't really think in terms of the rent control. One of the big issues is, you know, if you can if you hamper the landlord from being able to raise the rent, I mean, unfortunately, the landlord is not allowed to go to PG&E or the insurance company and say, hey, rent <laughs> right. control, you can't raise my P G E. and And so, you know, you don't want... Landlords turning into slum landlords, you know, you want them to be able to make a fair profit. A lot of people don't look at it that way. They just look at oh, yeah, all landlords are rich, and you know they're all
3: taking advantage. We all advantage wear of black us. hats. And yeah, exactly. All, like, twirling twirling moustaches. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right, and I think one of the things that we see, you know, our the average rent in our apartment buildings is, you know, probably now twenty seven, twenty eight hundred dollars a month. So these are these are units where the customer, the the resident, wants service. And we want to provide the service. That's our job, is to provide a good service for a great product.
1: Very good. Okay, guys, we're going to cut to our first commercial break. We're talking uh, entertainment here. And, John, if you know the answer, don't answer yet. We'll let you answer when you come back. First trivia question, what was L's name, E L L E S, name last name in the movie Legally Blonde? Remember her first name was L? What was her last name in the movie? All right. Uh, call 888 912 1190 If you're the first caller with the correct answer, you're gonna win that tanning certificate. Uh, again, what was the what was the name? What was the last name for L in the movie Legally Blonde? Don't touch that dial, the best of investing. We're gonna be right back.
0: For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. The Best of Investing will continue in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. Now, back to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown, on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hoff, President of Pacific Private Money. First trivia question was, uh, What was the what was L's... Last name in the movie Legally Blonde. The
2: only last name of an L I know is McPherson.
1: No, 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 no. That's right. Reese Witherspoon was the real name, but in the movie, what was know, I, L? L Woods. Oh, that's Woods. Woods. remember that? Okay. L Woods. Um, all I'm right. Before re- we continue on here, I want to make a quick mention for Alcatraz Cruises. So they're launching their second annual buy one, get one free Alcatraz Island, one of the country's most famous visited national parks uh check them out alcatascruzes.com uh 415-981-7625 you guys have been to alcatraz haven't you
3: I have never been. You've to never California, been there. I've lived in the Bay Area for 48 years. <laughs> oh, man. You
1: got to check it. They are. It, it, it's amazing. It's. Uh, I got to say, especially when they they used to put you in solitary confinement to see what it's like. But I think one time it got stuck. So they had. Yeah. No, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> oh, how All right. Uh, you want to ask I have our a guest? question for John? Yeah. Drunk. So we're talking about uh, uh,
2: live work units, and and John, we were talking a little bit off the air, but I, I wanted to, you to share it with the audience. Why are live work units? An important aspect in the real estate market today.
3: Well, one of the you know great opportunities we have living in in urban America is that you know there's a the urban fabric in almost every community now is one where it's a village, yeah. and you know who wants to commute for hours and hours and hours to go from your home to your work. Mm-hmm. So in many instances, we can create. Communities where people live and work in the same building.
1: How often are people actually nowadays, though, live li- working in their live-work versus just living there? Well, Edward, you'd be very surprised. There are quite a few. Really? Okay. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. I am surprised. I thought that was like the original intent. Is but it because it of the
2: percentage of self-employed yeah, and people who like can it.
3: work from home uh, within the Bay Area rather than commuting to the office? Yes. I mean, I think changing... Uh, jobs changing, yeah. you know, patterns of, of of work have allowed individuals to be able to work from their homes, uh, and you know we no longer have this uh, as, as we used to. Maybe our parents, where you would go to a company, you'd stay with that company for, yeah. forever. Yeah. Uh, now you know it's a very creative economy. So uh, we see many folks in our communities that both live and work in the same unit. You,
1: you know, and one interesting thing about that is, you know, it's one thing if you have, like, a one-bedroom studio that's, you know, 500 square feet. That would drive me bananas, living and working in that all the time. But if you can afford a live-work unit that's large space, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have room to kind of spread around a little
3: bit. That's exactly right. So often you'll see... Units that are several thousand square feet yeah. or 1,500 square feet or 2,000 square feet, where you can divide uh, the work and the live component. and many cities have uh, codes now where they actually require a certain amount of living square footage as well as work square footage in the units.
1: Okay, so when nowadays, because of what happened a few year, a couple of years ago now, uh, the ghost ship fire. And people know that it was in a live work uh, building, and it was not owned by you, but um, you, you know people have this idea about you know the the bad landlord because obviously the, the participants who who caused the fire you know the, the electrical thing, and they did all this bad stuff, but a lot of people put blame on on the landlord. How come the landlord didn 't do anything so come, come at it from that perspective.
3: Sure. You know, one of the challenges as a landlord, when you have a building such as the one that uh, where that, you know, horrific uh, incident occurred, the Go Ship Fire, where there were so many deaths, uh, you know, there's a lot of creativity that occurs in many of these spaces. So it's very hard to police the improvements that that take place. Uh, And even though, like in our case, we have leases where the leases are very prohibitive of what can be done to the spaces, uh, often people will go in and they'll make significant improvements. Uh, and and that is uh, a big challenge when you have large living spaces. Yeah. So if you have a 1,000-square-foot space, a 1,500-square-foot space, it's really hard to make significant improvements that uh, are going to affect code. But if you have gotcha. two, three, four, five thousand 5,000 square foot spaces, yeah. you know, often you can create things that that are pro- very problematic for Yeah,
1: clothes. I mean, I can see that where if you have, you know, a small apartment, a small studio, I mean, you're not going to be putting a nuclear power plant in. So, there's only so much you can do, and that's what your you're point is. Or you're not going
3: to be putting in bedrooms without windows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. right? Because the bedrooms already have windows, or the unit already has a lot of... Uh, window space, uh, exiting, and there are you know there are code requirements that we all have to abide by. Yeah.
2: So, John, you know, savvy real estate investors identify a niche and and pursue it. Uh, and it looks like this is what you're doing with the live work area. You're obviously very bullish on it. So, and I understand the the idea of, of repurposing underutilized warehouse space and converting it into residential units. How big is the opportunity? to do that and obviously you do you, you specialize in Oakland but how big is the opportunity in Oakland and maybe even throughout the bay area for other investors to maybe take a look at that well,
3: uh, at that investment strategy I would say the opportunity is huge nationwide Because uh, you have communities, and I'll give you an example. You know, we've been fortunate here in California because we're in a growing market. People keep coming because of tech jobs, because of, you know, growth of our economy, the weather. But you go to cities like even Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cleveland— you know, uh, cities that have lo- Detroit, cities that have lost oh, population, yeah. yet they have these magnificent old structures. Gotcha. And a lot of these structures, uh, you know, like a city like Pittsburgh, we looked at Pittsburgh closely just recently. It used to be 1.2 million people in Pittsburgh in 1950. Today it's about 620,000 really? people. Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the four cities that I mentioned, they've all lost significant population since. You know the fifties and the sixties.
1: I mean, I understand Detroit. You know, with all the car stuff, but uh, but Pittsburgh—that surprised Pittsburgh. me. Steel. Oh, steel industry. Mm, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yes, yeah. So
3: now, with the rebirth of cities, you know, you have a lot. You not only have a lot of younger folks that want to live in cities, but you've got a lot of people like me. You know, in their fifties and sixties, that want to move back to the and experience the urban mm. lifestyle. Oh, interesting. Uh, So what we see and what we're doing with a lot of our units is, you know, maybe 20 years ago, uh, we had, uh, you know, the average unit may have been 1,000 square feet. Well, now our average unit for loft spaces is about 1,500 square feet. That
1: makes a big big difference. Because
3: when I want to move into a space now, I need space.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Boy, the second uh, segment went quickly here. Uh, On the uh, TV show Cheers, what was Sam Malone's nickname? on the TV show Cheers. He had a nickname, all uh-huh. right? It had to do with his uh, baseball career. Remember, he was a baseball oh, player? Oh, that's right. Okay. Call 888-912-1190. Be the first caller with the correct answer. You're going to win that tanning certificate. Again, what was Sam Malone's nickname? was played by Ted Danson, right? Yes. All right, okay. Uh, what was his nickname on the TV show Cheers? Call 888-912-1190. Don't touch that dial. The best of investing. Going to be right back.
0: You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. That's bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to the Best of Investing on AM 1220 KDOW. Once again, your host... Edward Brown.
1: Welcome back to The Best of Investing. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Honf of Pacific Private Money. Second trivia question on entertainment is the theme. What was Sam Malone's nickname on the TV show Cheers? (laughs) Slugger? Slugger? No. (laughs) Mayday. Mayday. Mayday (laughs) Malone. Mayday Malone. That's right. Mayday Malone. Mayday Malone. Um, Mark, you wanted to ask John John Portopapis from um, uh, Madison Park. A question about live work. So we've been
2: talking so far on The Best of Investing about uh, investing in live work units, and what kind of investment they are. And uh, just on, during the commercial break, John, we were talking about um, how it is to work with the, the city planners. And, and we thought maybe they would love you to come in there and repurpose an old building. But
3: uh, you said otherwise. Well, it's it's very difficult for city planners, city plan checkers, engineers to work with uh, adaptively reusing older structures. Mm. They, they usually, they much prefer you building a brand new building. Tear it down and build new. It's easy. But that's not
2: where the opportunity
3: is, right? That's right. That's right. Have. There's great opportunity in reusing old structures. Mm. For one thing, if it's a historic structure, you can actually certify it with the National Park Service and get federal tax credits. Yeah. Wow. So that's a huge benefit. Mm. There's there's 50 year ones and 100 year ones I think, aren't there? Well, the the, the building all it has to be is 50 years 50, old, okay. but you do have to qualify the buildings okay. with the National Park Service. So you have to obtain ap- uh, approvals. But there's only so much you can do with that building too if you certified its not it, isn't it? There right. is, but okay. it's you know, it's not that difficult. Not that difficult. I mean, good we've done it good. Many, good. many many times and uh, once you learn the process, it's actually pretty easy. Okay. So aside
2: from working with the the various Cities, depending on their level of expertise or not, the opportunity for return on investment is huge. Repurposing an
3: existing buildings—that correct? It is because you can purchase an existing structure, you can renovate it, and it's if you are renting it out as a as an apartment building and retail down below you're going to end up with a building that is worth a lot more than your cost in the building.
1: Interesting. And uh, before we move on to Mark here, um, if people had
3: questions about live work units, could they call you? They certainly can. Okay. Uh, How would they get a hold of you? They would get a hold of me at Madison Park in Oakland at 510-452-2944.
1: Great. Okay. Well, stick around. We're going to move on to Mark here. Uh, Mark, you have an interesting article there. I've got four interesting articles. Four
2: interesting articles. (laughs) We'll see if I can power through them through the rest of this segment, and we'll continue on with some more interesting uh, uh, tidbits through the rest of the show today. But um, my favorite... uh economist Chris Thornburg uh, founder of beacon economics and they're based right here in California and I you know again we're we're a California based show Uh, both you and I have been lived lived and worked and invested in California our whole lives we uh, I mean California's the fifth largest economy in the world so really there's the the, the challenge with a lot of news that's coming out nowadays is that it's nationwide in scope and so but when Chris speaks up he's one of the guys that called the uh, the the crisis uh, before it happened in 2007. Yeah, he told people to get out of real estate in 2007, was largely ridiculed for that. So he's a guy that I listen to. In fact, he's speaking next month at the California Mortgage Association event that I'm going to attend. But he just came out uh, for, with his January um, uh, monthly newsletter, and he says, trade disputes, slowing housing markets, Wall Street turbulence, political uncertainty, dot, 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 despite all of it economic outlook remains steady huh. and so I've, I've always appreciated his level headedness at looking at this because he again he saw the writing on the wall when everything turned yeah. south very quick in 2007 and 8 uh, and he's he's been he's a guy that that, like all good economists, you know, they read the graphs, they study charts, they're looking at trends. Uh, is he saying that it's okay, basically, because unemployment is so low? Well, let me let me share with you a yeah. few tidbits. That the fact that the U.S. economy is on the edge of the longest economic expansion in the nation's history hasn't dampened uh, Chris Thornburg's latest forecast. Despite hand wringing over everything ranging from battles with U.S. trading partners mm-hmm. uh, to feared to feared onset of inflation, uh, his outlook uh, continues to be. That uh, California economies and the U.S. economy, for that matter, will continue to expand through 2020. And he says, look, this isn't just raw optimism. This is, uh, there's just simply nothing out there at the moment, in his opinion, whether it's the sell-off of the stock market or rising interest rates, that has the power or speed to knock the expansion off its track. Huh. And apart from a rapidly growing federal budget deficit, which is no small thing, of course, the U.S. economy looks fairly well Balanced in terms of the fundamentals, um, at the state level, account, uh, California's economy. Uh, he forecasts it to continue growing um, uh, through 2020. Uh, his his biggest concern really ha- is with um, with labor, the labor force, the cost of housing, uh, yeah. and getting labor forces. We we're not building enough housing and enough affordable housing to grow the labor market sufficient to sustain. California's potential for expansion for, and continued expansion. Mm. You know, I mean, we've got we've got a lot of companies, a lot of companies that are starting up every day in California, in the Silicon Valley, and in San Francisco, and in, and and in and Southern not that California.
1: Many, uh, that are leaving. Well, many, some
2: are leaving you know. too. Yeah, but uh, again, the net expansion in California is still on the plus side, and really, the big the biggest the, the biggest hurdle to continued growth in California is the housing, housing market. So, stay tuned. But again, I think that's good news. And that's good news because, um, according to the polls, more Americans, according to this article, think it's a bad time to buy a home today. And so that's the headline. And, you know, we we like to sometimes ridicule on the show
1: the headlines. You know, it says more Americans think it's a bad time to buy a home. Well... Yeah. The based sh- on yeah, the- interest rates going up, based on the prices being too high and starting to flatten.
2: So this article I, I I pulled out this week, the share of Americans who think it's a good time to buy a home has dropped sharply according to a survey from the mortgage giant Fannie Mae. Mm. Higher mortgage rates and increased home prices are to blame. There you go. Homes are simply <laughs> very expensive right now in relation to income. But you know, again, you know, you have to be careful about polls. And consumer polls, and I don't know about you guys, but I, I tend not to follow what the polls are saying. Usually, it's like whatever the whatever the public believes, yeah. you know, run the opposite Good direction right. or invest <laughs> invest in the opposite. Yeah, so that's uh, that's uh, article number two. The next article I wanted to share with you guys is um, a new study from the Lations leading real estate agent advocacy group shows how the partial federal shutdown is curbing economic activity relative to real estate. So this is the National Association of Realtors. They polled 2,200 of their members. Now, notably, 75 percent. Ah, there's been zero impact yeah, on my and, business yeah. from the government shutdown. But uh, interestingly enough, 25% said that their business has been impacted. And here are the ways that the government shutdown has been impacting real estate activity, and it's mostly on the mortgage
1: side. So yeah, yeah, government employees maybe not getting mortgages, right? So right, so so, right. so, so
2: hey. 10% so, 10% of agents said they were impacted because a federal employee opted not to follow through sure. on a home purchase. Uh, 25% said uh, the buyer decided not to buy the house because of government uncertainty. So, oh, you know, yeah. I guess... Uh, that That's why we don't deal with government time. employees. Yeah. The rest, uh, delays due to IRS income verification and other delays uh, on FHA and, and other government-backed loans. So, again, so it, it, you might think it's had no impact, so it's had a little bit of
1: impact, but, yeah. but I would say marginal, marginal at best. Marginal, yeah. yeah. I'll save the uh, the save last, last article for the for, now, for, uh, for next, for segment. next segment. Yeah. All right, here's our third trivia question what actor played dr frankenstein in the 1974 film young frankenstein you guys should remember that movie right call 888-912-1190 be the first caller with correct answer you're gonna win that tanning certificate don't touch that dial the best of investing is gonna be right back
0: for more information on today's topic call edward brown directly at 888-912-1190 that's 888-912-1190 the best of investing will continue in a moment on am 1220 kdow Now, back to the Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown, on AM 1220,
1: KDOW. Welcome back to the Best of Investing. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hunt, president of Pacific Private Money. Third trivia question, what actor played Dr. Frankenstein in the 1974 film Young Frankenstein? Mark Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder, that is correct. Okay, I want to make a couple of mentions here. Sonoma Canopy Tours is a world-class zipline tour through the Redwood Forest. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. It's an Occidental. And you're talking about... Like... These trees are like 200 feet. You want, you want the thrill and scare of your life? <laughs> check out Sonoma Canopy Tours. You can also get one of those you know, uh, uh, film things on your head. Oh, so you right. Watch the, doing, the GoPro, The yeah. GoPro type things, yes. So come fly with them. Reserve your spot today at Canopy, com. You can also call 888-494-7868. also want to make one other quick mention here. We Care Exterminators. Uh, they're all over the Bay Area. These guys are not only reasonably priced but they're very honest and very, very friendly. Uh, I've used them before. They are phenomenal. Um, so check them out, 707-703-1278, whether you've got you know, rats or mosquitoes or whatever else you got. They uh, do a very good job. Wecarepest.com. Okay, Mark, uh, an email comes in for you, and then you can explain, what do you do for a living? Um, would you <laughs> lend on someone's house for a business venture? Well, the answer
2: is yes, absolutely, and we do it all the time. And so, at Pacific Private Money, we're an alternative real estate finance provider uh, for situations where the bank says no, or, or when banks financing is just simply not an option, which... Means they said no, <laughs> and uh, as we all know, uh, since two thousand and eight, the banks have said no um, with increasing frequency, uh, as opposed to you know anyone who could fog a mirror. Seemingly, your you know your stylist, your uh, taxi driver, your, uh, the guy next door, everyone was buying real estate left and right in 2004, 5, 6, and 7, just based on their FICO score and a lot of lies on a loan application. You can't really do that anymore. And in fact, uh, you know, the pendulum swung so far in the other direction that uh, even getting a HELOC on your home uh, um, in you know, a junior lien uh, behind your first mortgage, it's just gotten extremely uh, difficult uh, these days. And it's funny, I'm actually going through a home loan refi myself right now with a uh, major bank, and it's. I just knew this was going to be painful. <laughs> and when I met this uh, this loan agent, she said, well, I'm the number one producer for jumbo loans for for this bank, and I happened to bank with them. So, okay. I thought, well, I might as well give them, you know, throw in a bone. But I said in advance, I said, I don't want to go through the process that I went through with this other mortgage agent uh, a couple of years ago, and I explained to her how Painful it was, yeah. and how downright humiliating it was for someone who makes the money I make in a, in a business that 's successful and thriving, and I pay my taxes and I report all my income and I have reserves and yada yada yada, and still i couldn 't get I, I still gave up on the last time two years ago, when I went to refinance my home so so here we are uh, four months into it I mean some four weeks into four it weeks. four weeks and it's already starting to look like it's going to be more of the same uh, yeah so anyway, but um yeah. Getting getting a loan on your home for a business purpose is is actually quite common. Uh, people, you know, you you have a home with with equity, uh, you got a first mortgage on it. You want to borrow, you know. One, two, three, four, five hundred thousand $500,000 for a business venture or to buy business inventory. I mean, there's all kinds of, or maybe you want to buy, fix, and flip real estate, even though, you know, many in the market are saying, oh, there's no money to be made in flipping in California today, which is completely untrue. Um, but you got to be just more, more careful about it. Uh, but we, we get those loan requests in every day. And in fact, when I left the office uh, earlier, I, I overheard a conversation uh, that one of my loan agents were having with someone who was trying to do just that, borrow money, uh, from uh, use their home equity uh, to borrow money to um, uh, to make an investment, and so that is something that uh, not all private lenders or hard money lenders will do there some people are, are uh, some companies are are reticent to lend on an owner occupied dwelling, even though it 's for a business purpose and The reason is because the laws have changed substantially in the last ten years to really give the power. To the to borrower, the borrower yeah. yeah, and in some, and in some, some lenders feel that there's too much power uh, in the homeowner's hands. That you make them a loan, a loan that they asked for, they wanted it, needed it, and are benefit from it, but because it's secured by their primary residence they still have the opportunity to basically say, you know, throw up a bunch of defenses yeah. that, you know, you knew I couldn't afford this this loan, yeah. and uh, you Took knew, you know, this really wasn't for business purposes. I used it to pay off uh, credit college, cards or something. Credit yeah. cards yeah. and yeah. college tuition, yeah. and you should have known better. You know, and, and in other words, they could, you can always find an attorney <laughs> sure. who will go to bat for well, you. you know, it's, it's interesting, and, uh, too,
1: because uh, regular banks, a lot of times, they wouldn't want to make a loan if you're using it for business purposes. Yeah, You know, they that's one of the questions what do you need the money for? And when they find out what you need the money for, a lot of times it's, that, that turns them off that's, that's yeah. true and in fact, uh, um, those of us in the private lending world,
2: like Pacific private money, um, we really like it we, that's what we want to hear. We want to hear you say it's for a business purpose. we don't yeah. want you to, we don't want to yeah. hear you say it's for a consumer use I'm consolidating debt or I'm paying off a judgment lien or I'm yeah. paying <laughs> off student loans for my kids. The reason we don't like hearing that is because on a consumer purpose or a consumer use of money, there are different regulations that uh, that loan falls under, and it requires us to do things like verify um, your ability to to make the monthly payments, which we really do anyway um, but it's they're just they're even harsher uh uh, constructs to making those types of loans, yeah. and and yeah. most actually, most private lenders will not make a loan to you on your primary residence unless it's for a business purpose. And even if it is for a business purpose, many of them won't do it.
1: So. Well, I'm, I'm sure you just love to hear. What do you would need the money for? Well, I need to hire an attorney to sue the last three mortgage brokers. <laughs> 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 a little bit of a red flag there. Yeah. So, for more information about how you can
2: uh, leverage the equity in your home for a loan, uh, give us a call at Pacific Private Money. We're at 415 883 2150, or the best way to connect with us is via our website. That's pacificprivatemoney.com.
1: And uh, do you have a deal of the week? You know, um, I don't, well, you don't? Well, I, I do. I do. Last week. last week. <laughs> no, that's okay. Last week, uh, we didn't have enough time, time to, to, to do this one. So yeah. uh, there is a, a person in the Bay Area who is consolidating debt to pay an IRS lien that, or, or excuse me, it's not a lien yet, but owes the IRS. Knows that it will turn into a lien, mm. um, and it, again, he made a decent amount of money, but you know didn't have at the time the money to pay the IRS. Uh, it has good cash flow, and it's going to be a second mortgage. Uh, but the, excuse me, the combined loan to value is only fifty six percent. So you know you look at that and you say, okay, well the person got in a little IRS issue, but there's so much equity in the property, yeah. and there's and the person makes a lot of money that. As soon as they pay the IRS, you know they sh- they should be good to go. So that's, that's something that's that a
2: lot of people don't realize. You know, they think if you're a hard money lender or a private lender or an alternative finance provider that you're out there making high risk, high percentage loans, um, you know, stripping the equity from uh, from someone's home or from a real estate. And in fact, usually the opposite is true. Most of the loans we do uh, are at a, a LTV exposure of seventy percent loan to mark today's market value or less. And your example of of you know near almost you know fifty percent ish loan yeah. to value that's very typical. And again, are they're... They're coming to companies like ours because they just, they either can't get bank financing for some for a myriad of reasons um and, and it's not all the time it, it, it that it's low credit score oftentimes it's they got great credit um they just they're self-employed they can't verify income or they, speed they just don't it's just speed they just don't want to go through a six or eight week process of providing everything four times <laughs> and <laughs> i do uh,
3: like the process you're going through. yeah yeah say, right. say that and yeah. again i
2: love my bankers i really do i don't, I don't want to bash banks um and uh uh, you know, they sent us a lot of good referrals. But, again, if you need fast financing, PacificPrivateMoney.com.
1: All right. We're going to be back, and we're going to explain to people how you can invest with Mark's company and earn a very good rate of return. Don't touch that dial. We'll
0: be right back. listening to The Best of Investing on AM 1220 KDLW. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The
1: Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Haunt. And Mark, you want to ask John a question? I, I did. And, uh, and I know a lot of listeners you know n- know the answer to
2: this, but it bears repeating. You know, uh, There's this, always this conversation about why is housing so incredibly expensive in the San Francisco Bay Area, yet in other metro areas throughout the nation, it's a fraction of what that uh, renters here have to pay?
3: Mark, great question. I mean, you know, when you look at the amount of units, the amount of supply that we create, we don't create enough supply. That's It's as simple as that. And why do you think that is? Well, uh, you know, we have a lot of demand, right? We have yeah. a lot of people that keep tons of to the Bay Area. And we don't create supply because many of our well, cities they uh, they make it very difficult for us to create supply. And not just the cities, but they are responding to a public hmm. that often doesn't want any change in their community. Oh, yeah. Okay, the so, <laughs> so uh, many people say, well, wait a minute. Yeah, sure, go ahead and produce that big apartment building, but I don't want you to do it right next to me yeah. <laughs> or right across the street from my home. We
2: need affordable housing, but where are we going to put it?
3: Right. Yeah. So you see cities that, like Oakland, that has... A lot of former warehouse, industrial distribution land that is no longer that type of use. It's perfect, and it's a great area where you can go ahead and build, you know, lots of units. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, let's face it: if you go to any high-end community in this Bay Area, and you want to propose building an apartment building most everyone is going to object. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's really creating supply has become very, very difficult in in the Bay Area. Whereas you go to a place like Seattle and the rents are about fifty to sixty percent of what they are here. Yeah. Because they create supply.
2: You know when you fly over the Bay Area there's, there's so much land yeah. uh, and, and that could be developed in the Bay Area. I think the biggest problem is the infrastructure of our highway and freeway system and transportation system. It's just inadequate for the growth potential that we could realize in, in, this, in this
3: area. It's a great point, and that's one of the reasons why developing... Infill mm-hmm. uh, in our urban communities makes it. Uh, you know, we're beginning to see more and more of that all across the United
1: States. You got to have good transportation, live too. work units. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that sounds great, Mark. Before we uh, cut out for the day, yep. uh, t- tell us a little bit about the fund, how people can invest. So we make. Um privately funded loans
2: using private capital from private individuals like you out there listening to this show. In fact, someone came into our office this week at uh, Banking at Chase, a bank right next door to us, and said, I've been walking by your building for all these years now, and I've got a bunch of CDs that are maturing, and I wanted to find out more about that 7.5% you've got posted in your window there. And so 7.5% is the trailing 12-month distributed yield that the Pacific Private Money Fund has been providing for its investors. The Pacific Private Money Fund is approximately $43 million in size today, and it's a five-year-old fund that... Uh, Invests only in real estate-backed loans, so we use that fund uh, and other private individual capital to make our real estate loans. And so the fund for is a great tool for you know passive investors or those who um, really have never invested in an individual note. And in fact, that really is most of investors out there. Most investors have not invested in an individual note, and so the fund exists to uh, provide that opportunity. And so um, the only requirement is that you be an accredited investor. Uh, that's a certain net worth requirement that we can go over with you uh, when you contact us. Um, but we've got over 200 investors in the fund, the average investors in there for about $250,000, and they are enjoying a 7.5% distributed yield. And that's created from the notes that we put in the fund. The average note rate in the fund is about 9%. Uh, so minus the fees to operate the fund, uh, the audit, the tax returns, et cetera, that we provide, uh, we produce a yield of about 7.5%, which, uh, based on the the types of loans, uh, uh, investment opportunities we have out there, and stock market gyrations, you should check it out. Uh, Check us out, PacificPrivateMoney.com or 415-883-2150 for
1: more information and a prospectus. Very good. Gentlemen, thanks for... joining us john it was a pleasure talking about live work Thanks you thoughts for the day some people wait their entire life for their ship to come in not realizing they're standing in an airport and (laughs) dear abby said the best index of a person's character is how he treats people who can't do him any good and how he treats people who can't fight back i thought Mm. that's true tune in next week to the best of investing we're going to be giving away more free prizes for answering trivia questions thanks for listening on behalf of our team i'm edward brown we're wishing you the best of investing.
0: So long. You've been listening to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for The Best of Investing on the Bay Area's Business Leader.